Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview on Face to Face is with Heather White. We're going to be talking about her new film, Complicit, but we talk about so much more than that. You've noticed I've started to focus on filmmakers more and more on Face to Face, but I think there's a reason for that. Filmmakers are storytellers. They're, 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 they're concerned about the human condition. They are thinking about the implications of what it means to get involved, about the splash and ripple effect, and, and, and so on. And so Heather today talks about all of those things, including her film. We talk about global brands. And, and sweatshops. We talk about the anti-sweatshop campaign and, and the anti-globalization movement. What a, what a mega factory actually is. What, what does it mean to, to, to fight back and to speak truth to power? And, and what is it that consumers can do? How, how do we get involved? How do we, how do we deal with the fact that there does seem to be this thing out there called greed, uh, corporate greed, individual greed, collective greed that seems to be affecting uh, the way we live and the way we live and interact with others. And there are implications to all of these things, to the purchases we make, to the decisions uh, that we come to, and the, and, and the choices, uh, you know, choice, freedom, choice, and responsibility, it seems to me, is, is really what it's all about. So Heather talks about her film, Complicit, and all of that. Uh, uh, don't forget there are uh, plenty uh, of more interviews where this one came from on face-to-face-live.ca, our new website. Uh, you can support uh, the podcasting that I do through patreon.com. And don't forget rabble.ca as well for more information there about podcasting. And stay tuned. Heather White coming right up. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by another very special guest here today. Heather White is joining us, I think, from New York, but I'm not quite sure. Heather, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to to uh, spend with me here on the phone today. Thank you, David. We're going to be talking about your new film that you co-directed with Ling Lin Zhang um, uh, called Complicit. 
and and you and and what little uh, conversation we've had you've just you're just sort of coming off of a pretty pretty robust uh long <laughs> world tour by the sounds of it well i didn't do asia or <laughs> australia on this trip but i was over in europe for five weeks with the world premiere of the film in london and then we went to geneva and had a couple of other screenings after that so it was it was just a wonderful um culmination of Four and a half years working on the project and to be able to have our premieres over in Europe where we had uh, the majority of our funding actually came from UK and European uh, donors and foundations. And and was, um, that's really interesting. We might have to ask a little bit more about that. You you raised a fair bit of money on Indiegogo as well, did you not? Yes, we raised about 43000 on the site and then for people who wanted to make uh, tax-deductible donations. We raised another five or six on another site during the campaign. So, yes, we've met our goals, and uh, we're so thankful that we were able to then use the funds immediately yeah. to be able to get through production. So, so, so many questions for you, Heather. The film for me, is, first of all, congratulations on, on all of it. I mean, what a, what a crazy Indiegogo campaign, uh, and so successful, and just so encouraging, I would like to think, for, for, for other filmmakers out there as well. What, what, how do you land? How do you land on a story like this? What 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 is it? What you an article that you read? Uh, read is it is it is it a conversation you have? What what drives you in? I've been working on anti sweatshop and globalization issues for at least fifteen years. Wow. I ran a nonprofit that I started called Verite that's based in Amherst, Massachusetts, and Verite was set up to inspect factories, looking at compliance with labor practices and conditions and local labor laws, uh, basically for global brands that hmm. are producing in developing countries, often high-risk environments where there have been allegations of child labor or trafficked labor or excessive work hours, that sort of thing. I'm right. a sourcing agent for companies doing business in China for several years before that, and with the rise of increased reports of uh, industrial fires and people mm. dying and, you know, all these accidents in China in particular in the uh, mid-90s, I decided I would start a nonprofit organization to monitor and try to provide some mm. solutions. So I did that for several years and then was working as a uh, research fellow at Harvard on mm. Some issues related with to corruption and right. conflicts of interest in this whole independent monitoring sector that's been developing over the last ten years or so. But there's some challenges around: are they really independent? What's the level of transparency? That sort of thing. And that led to my getting a book contract to go to China and follow up on, as you suggested, a newspaper article that hmm. I'd read. Okay quite a while back that said that the Chinese government was forced to set up clinics to deal with young people who were getting poisoned in factories making for global brands for companies that were producing for export but the factories weren't paying the workers and medical this, and Heather this is all this is all pr primarily electronics the newspaper article that i read was focusing on workers in a number of sectors they didn't mm. focus on electronics so I had no idea what I was going to find when I got right. to China and went to some of these occupational disease clinics and found that they had 
surveillance cameras in the patients' rooms in some cases, wow. and we would get chased out of there by nurses and security guards and other instances. So it was um, quite an interesting introduction to seeing what is going on right now with occupational injuries and disease related to global brands that are producing in the Pearl River Delta. But what we found, as you said, was primarily that the young workers, the teenagers that we met, almost all of them were working in electronics factories and had some connection to the major brands that were using every day, you know, our smartphones, tablets, devices, et cetera. They're, they're all electronics factories, all in that region. A, a million workers employed by Foxconn. Yes. It's 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 just it's astounding when when you think of the 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 splash and ripple effect for, for not for good but for for potentially for ill. Absolutely, and in the case of Foxconn, they're part of a new phenomenon of what I call mega factories, where hmm. they have over a hundred thousand workers in one campus, as they're called. They're not really campuses like you see here at Google or. You know, the companies in Silicon Valley that are spending millions of dollars just to create comfortable work environments where <laughs> workers never right. want to go home. That's and they right. want to take yeah. all their meals sure. there, and they can even sleep there and, <laughs> you know, and take yoga classes. Yes. <laughs> the Maybe get a time. massage before they leave at the yes, end of the day. Yes, exactly. Yeah. This is not the same type of environment. Although um, it has to be said that some have reported that there are basketball courts and the occasional swimming pool and um, some recreational facilities at the factories in China as they try to emulate what's going on in the West. But often there aren't that many people able to partake of the off-work activities and the recreational bowling alleys, etc., because they're putting in six days a week and often in excess of 12 hours a day. And and is it 160,000 workers that I hear in the film per day? Uh, 160,000 workers per at, day. Um, at, like at a given time, like there's all these shifts. And I mean, I think at one point in the film, it's quite astounding the, 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 the way you, sh you, you represent it and shoot it, but there's just this steady flow of traffic of people coming and going. And that's this massive, um, you know, uh, campus, as you say. Oh, yes. The uh, couple of campuses that we filmed on the periphery of, we didn't get to go inside because uh, we weren't representing anybody that they would let in, uh, had between two and 300,000 workers. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, how, where, where do you even begin? You know? Well, one of the first things you see is that there's a police station hmm. um, at the gates of the factories, the largest ones, because rather than employ their own security guards, as most factories do. They choose to make deals with local police departments, and they have police right there so that if workers complain about maybe getting underpaid or they're not satisfied with something related to their shift, the police are called and they get taken right to jail. So crowd control. Yes, crowd control and just to shut down any possibility of a labor action or a strike, if there's a chance of them shutting it down. But in China, they're seeing a lot of strikes and labor actions. Now, even the government admits that they're 
experiencing over 50,000 a year. So wow. as you can imagine, workers are not satisfied in many situations. Well, you're starting to hear about it more and more all the time. I mean, just even a few days ago, I believe come was it coming out of Shanghai a report about uh some some uh, disappearance of three labor activists. Have you heard about this? Oh, yes, yeah. I'm familiar with yeah, um, that organization which is actually based in New York, China Labor Watch and their executive director mm. Lee Chang has been talking um to the New York Times and others now about it, uh, because they were a team of three that had been working undercover, doing some investigations, looking at the workplace conditions of Ivanka Trump. That's right. Yeah, yeah. One one arrested, two missing, I think, still. Yes. So, Heather, is this... Hmm. So many, so many entry points. Is this is this a human rights conversation? Is this about speaking truth to power? Is this is this capitalism going sideways or or, or just never going to be quite right? Is are, are we seeing the uglier parts of capitalism here? I mean, there's really one interesting, well, many interesting lines in the film. But uh, one of one of the owners, uh, I don't know where you got some of your footage, but the the undercover stuff. Um, uh, one of the one of the owners, I'm assuming, or manager says the Chinese market is messy. But but highly specialized, and I couldn't help but kind of laugh out loud um, uh, at the irony. Yes, and in answer to your uh, question, I have to say that it's all of the. Yeah, of course, <laughs> it is. All, all of it. Yeah, I is figured that's simultaneously. What, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I figured that's what you would 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 say. Where where where? Hmm. What is it ab- about this? The the newspaper article going to China. Not I had. Wait, what was your line? I had no idea what I was going to find. What what did, what did you think you were going to find? What, was there an expectation there? I was not assuming that I was going to find ten years after the article appeared or more that there were so many young people and young workers that would qualify as child labor who were injured and had been poisoned by N-hexane, which is a neurological toxin that a lot of them had been working with as an um, aspect of the uh, polishing of smartphones, uh, the touchscreens. As they moved their way you know, down the assembly line, the youngest workers, the least skilled workers in the factories are basically put to work wiping stuff. And what they need to wipe are the touchscreens and the housings and the components, the plastic uh, parts that are going to move through the line. And they need to be absolutely dust-free, and they need to be you know, free of any little bits of wire or um, small parts. So the kids are basically sitting with small bottles all day long and wiping seven to eight, 700 to 800, 800 screens, a day. screens, as we talk about in the film. Mm-hmm. And they're in environments where there might not be any windows open because they're trying to keep a clean environment. Right. And southern China's not a very clean place, just in general, in terms of the quality of the air, et cetera. So I understand why they might not choose to just have open windows with breezes coming in. But at the same time, then they don't provide adequate ventilation, hoods, fans, et cetera, which is um, a necessity in order to make sure that these chemicals are not just uh, breathed in by the workers for the entirety of their ships. In the case of the teenagers that we interviewed who were part of a group of 39, they'd only been working in the factory about three months in most cases. Well, 
Wow. And they became completely paralyzed and were in the hospital for two years. We see an, we see an Asian reporter, a, a, a variety of reporters uh, throughout the film, journalists and so on, but the one in particular saying uh, as, as he's reporting on a particular um, um, news story, uh, asks the question, is money more, more important than human lives? Um, so, you know, I think most of us would probably answer that question pretty quickly and say, no, of course not. But but when you when you I mean this isn't just happening in China right I mean this 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 is a f you've been working in this field for many many years this is something that's happening globally is it is it not Yes I was just on a television program a couple of months back discussing the state of child labor in the leather industry hmm. in India and the tanning factories the tanneries that are right. uh, serving the leather production for a lot of the footwear companies that have, you know, all the brand names that we're familiar with, and they also make sports shoes, et cetera. Right. But this is something that one would have thought would have been addressed over the last 15 years of people talking about sure. codes of conduct and social compliance becoming a responsibility of brands, and they have created websites, and they've joined various associations, but in fact, the situations are still very problematic, and kids are still finding their way into the supplier networks. It's really shocking. And the subcontracting is bigger than ever. I don't see the subcontracting even being addressed um, effectively yet by the brands, and that's something that they could be taking all of their production in-house in to you know, their main suppliers if they chose to devote their resources and their attention in that direction. You tell, At a point in the film, somebody says, you know, if Foxconn improves, more more will follow. Um, do, you, do you think that there is that, that ripple effect? I mean, is you know, it seems seems to be, you know, people people today talk about fair trade in a way that my parents never would have. And my, my kids are so much more environmentally friendly than I probably ever was, you know, growing up as a kid and so on. So in a sense, you know, and I believe in social change and I believe in a hopeful future and all that. Um, or, or uh, you know, I guess I guess I'm asking you a couple questions, but I'm I'm interested to know why and how, if you are still hopeful, how you remain there. But but it, is it getting better, or 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 do you just see a sort of a leveling off that the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, the gap increases, and and people continue to use these chemicals that shouldn't be used? Well, all of that is true. Mm. What you just stated. Hmm. But it's important for us to remain hopeful and believe that change is possible. That's why I felt it was important to end the film on a positive note. And we worked so hard to get our main character, Yi Yeting, to have the opportunity to come out of China for the first time and right. connect with some of the activists and the global organizations, not just in North America and Europe, but also in the Global South, South Asia, Taiwan, Singapore, et cetera, so that he would realize that there are advocacy he's, groups. He's not over. alone. Yeah, he's not alone, and he's not doing this by himself. I mean, he's paying such a huge personal price mm. in terms of the evictions and the fact that he has leukemia and his factory has never paid the uh, workworks compensation payout that he's entitled to, in part, he thinks, as a a penalty for the activism that he's engaged in and the fact that he got a number of other workers from his factory who were also poisoned to bring compensation and to win compensation cases against his employer, which is the largest shipping container manufacturer in the world. So 
we tried so hard for, uh, and finally, um, on the third attempt, it worked. He was able to attend our Europe premiere mm, in Geneva, Switzerland. Uh, although we only got a visa for the weekend, so we <laughs> he just. <laughs> I don't know if they thought he was going to defect or. We call that a whistle stop, I believe. Oh, it yeah. was. It was. <laughs> it was terrible because um, he was so excited and he was healthy. He went straight from the hospital to the airport. Um, but he was in good shape and had a good flight and got a standing ovation. Wow! Yeah. At the screening, and it was just well. Fantastic. That that must have had a, a an interesting healing kind of factor kind of connected to it. It seems to me. Yes, absolutely. What? Why him? Why him? I mean, China's a big place. What? What was it that that motivated him to say, "I'm I'm going to fight back"? This, this I've 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 got to say something. I have to do something. And I mean, he really comes out in the film as quite quite a passionate young man. He does, and he's not alone among the workers that we met, but we chose him because he actually had a personal connection right. to all the other workers in the film, which was able, and allowed us to create a narrative arc and to tell a story as opposed to showing a series of vignettes and profiles of different workers, but not really being able to tell a dramatic story about their experiences. So we chose Yi Yeting, but one of the things that struck me and um, impressed me so much about the quality and the caliber of the people that are fighting the system in China is that almost everyone we met that had recovered became active in one way or another right. with an NGO that had helped them. And the tragedy is that all those groups have been shut down. Wow. And while we were there, um, groups were in the midst of the crackdown, and we had to meet with people outside of their offices. Their offices had been closed. We show one of the NGOs getting mm. trashed mm. in the film mm-hmm. with their laptops and their computers being thrown in the street by thugs hired by the government. Uh, to destroy the activities of these civil society organizations. And these workers, they're kind of at the end of the line. You know, they're mm. not going to work again. Right. Um, we had a lot of workers that we don't show in the film who'd lost their hands due to faulty machinery in the factories. That was going to be another thread. But we made the decision that we needed to focus just on the toxic chemicals because that's actually a situation that the companies can address and get those toxic materials out of their facilities within 90 days if they were to make the commitment to do so, whereas a worker injury phenomenon is much more difficult to address. I mean, we even have that here in the West where, you know, we're sure. yep. hearing about factories constantly trying to reduce their injury rates and, and doing a pretty good job here because of the quality of the laws and the enforcement, et cetera. But um, we had to focus on the benzene ultimately, but so many of the workers then became activists themselves, and we show one of the young girls going to work in the um, worker education center once she's better and able to travel outside of the hospital. And then ironically enough, the guy who's running that center, he ends up being arrested by the end of the film. Hmm. Um, So, you know, these activists and people who were taking a stand and trying to help people connect with resources they are getting targeted by the government and arrested, and their work is being um, highly constrained. And right now, we found that none of the groups were willing to even engage with a reporter from one of the UK's largest newspapers a few weeks ago when they wanted to send a 
a crew in and do a nice update and focus on the release of the film, et cetera. But no one was willing to talk because the situation mm. is uh, so sensitive right now. And I don't think having Donald Trump um, in office and the you know current relationship with the Chinese government is helping. Well, you almost have to wonder if, if some of the decisions that are coming out of, of the White House are, are going to, you know, give people license to to misbehave in a pretty significant way. Well, we're seeing it here, and this is the first time that activists in China who were investigating labor practices of a foreign brand with the Ivanka Trump investigation have been arrested. That's, you said the first time. Yeah, this is a new development. Sometimes they get kicked out of the factory, sure, or sure. someone might, security guards might say they're reporting them. You know, there may be some kind of a little showdown, but um, there hasn't been a situation like this before, and I don't think that it bodes well. But I also am seeing it as a culmination of what's been going on over the last several years. What do you What do you say to somebody who says, "Yeah, but you know, Heather, some some work is better than no work." I don't have a problem with factories being in business, but it's important that they're not breaking the laws mm. of the country mm. where they're operating. Um, the corporations in Canada and the United States are not supposed to be engaging in doing business illegally. If they were subcontracting or doing direct contracting with suppliers in our countries who were using child labor and poisoning workers, there would be quite a bit of uh, sanctions legally that could be brought down upon them. There could be fines, penalties, sure. people yep. might go to jail. Um, so I'm not really convinced by people saying some job is better than any job because if the factory can't function at the level where they're able to make a profit while being in compliance with the laws of their own country, then they don't really deserve to be in right. business. right. I'm not not, not very innovative. Other, yes, just obey the laws of your own land. <laughs> yeah, is that is that too yeah. much to ask? Yeah. Well, and that's where it gets kind of subtle and nuanced too, doesn't it? Because this is you know, which is what's so interesting about the first time these these uh, these Chinese workers have been um, these investigators have been arrested. This is what's really interesting about that and groundbreaking in the sense that that there's a um, well, there's patterns, right? There's there's uh, uh, what 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 is it that you're hiding? I I do a fair bit of work or have done a fair bit of work in Cambodia over the years, and many of the garment factories that you you drive by, you just wow, what is it you guys are hiding? You know, the 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 gates are closed, barbed wire, no windows, and I'm pretty sure there's no way they're letting me in. Right, and sometimes they don't even have signs. So right, have, right. You have trouble if you're trying to find them. Yeah, and certainly not a branded sign. Certainly not a branded sign. Right. So, yes, uh, Cambodia definitely has a lot of challenges around labor practices and working conditions. In the case of the China Labor Watch investigation, I understand that they were finding, not the most extreme, they weren't finding child labor and uh, prisoners, for example, but they were finding quite a few violations mm -hmm. of workplace practices that they were going to report on and um, what was supposed to be released either this week or next week. So this is really putting uh, quite a damper sure. on the revelations that were supposed to be coming out from the report. I hope they're still in a position to release them regardless, but I think that they want to be able to negotiate first. 
can, can, the release of the team. Can, can, can we in the West, can we anywhere in the world ever, I don't, I'm not sure if this is a, a, a fair way to frame the question, but can we ever not be complicit? Well, I think in the case of consumers, we're just pointing out this issue and making them aware of it, and we're not really pointing the finger at them that they right. are complicit because we're a part of it. But right. if we know about it and we care and we want to see things done differently, then we can become part of the solution, too, yes. and that's what yeah. I'm hoping will be achieved with the release of our film. But you, the folks that are complicit are the brands. Well, and 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 it's got to start somewhere, right? It's got the conversation has to start somewhere. The dialogue, the activism has to begin somewhere, and and this is part of it is is getting this out. Uh, what what's what's the reaction been been like? We've been getting great reviews. I've been very interested that in the media there haven't been any devil's advocates trying to uh, justify the position. Right. <laughs> it's it's hard to justify leukemia <laughs> among your workers. It's pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah, so we have um, been getting very positive reviews, and the companies, of course, are quiet. They don't answer emails and have sure. not responded to requests for interviews, et cetera. Um, but then in the case of what consumers are doing, we just launched a, um, a new petition with the support of one of the people who's been the Indiegogo donor, um, an individual put a petition up on CARE2 yesterday, and we already have 4,000 wow. signatures. Wow, 4,000 in a day. Yes. That's, that's, that's something to be hopeful uh, about be encouraged, yes. and be encouraged by. Absolutely. Well, we all own these devices. We're all owners of smartphones, and to varying degrees, we have them with us. How do you, how, much how, of our da daily lives. You know? I'm going to probably have to wrap up here in a couple minutes, but love to hear more about how, what, what your thoughts are on how do you get consumers, how do you get people's attention about something that is such a part of our, our everyday lives, coffee and, and, and clothing and devices. I mean, is, is a label saying this shirt was made by children under the age of 14? Is that going to, is that going to stop me from buying it? What, what, what what might what what's going to work, Heather? Well, we're still trying all sorts of potential remedies. I started working on this issue in 1995, mm. and the things that I've observed over the years that work has a lot to do with what the companies choose to do because right. I think it's been fairly well established that consumers are willing with many products, to pay pretty much any price that the companies ask. So when the, when the <laughs> That's CEOs... a funny line. That's hilarious. I remember once somebody telling me uh, many, many years ago uh, uh, on a construction site, smoke, heavy smoker, yeah, it doesn't matter what they charge for me. I'm, I'm going to buy these because I need them. <laughs> it, was, it, just, it doesn't matter how much, because cigarettes have always been very expensive here in, in Canada as a you know, I'm sure they are in other places around the world too nowadays. But but it was really interesting. I need them, so therefore I will pay. But you're you're that's a pretty interesting line. As I do think in most cases, especially the things like we're seeing with electronic devices, people are just paying whatever Apple asks right. or whatever Samsung is asking. So it doesn't really come down to how expensive the devices are to produce. And that's directly related to the price that consumers are asked to pay. The cost of labor is less than 2% now for the smartphones. Wow. And yet still the brands and Foxconn were bringing student interns against their will 
to the tune of 300,000 of them over the last few years who've been forced to work in their factories. So what we're really seeing is the, I think it's just the greed of the companies. Mm. Uh, We've moved a lot of the production of electronics outside of North America. It's gone to Asia, where chemicals that have been banned for 40 years to be used in factory environments here are now being used in these products that are coming back, you know, right back to us in shipping containers that have poisoned the workers, Mm. you know, the main character in our film. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great irony that the containers that this stuff that's made with poisons are even made with poison that is harming the workers and giving them leukemia. So we're in a huge toxic stew at the moment. And I think that we really have to put the pressure on the companies to get us out of it, because as consumers, these are factories, as you said, they don't have their names on them, they don't want to let us in, you can't go and do any type of citizen visits. It really comes down to the brands negotiating with the suppliers they're working with, saying, we're not going to do business with you if you continue to break the law. Yeah, and now we're now, and now we're talking about uh, you know we're talking about ethical, we're talking about moral questions, really, aren't we? And 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 sometimes maybe as simple as uh, um, um, imposing, yeah, I guess just another level of of regulation, right? I mean, it's I guess it's easy to ignore when it doesn't affect me, right? Yes, if you're not legally liable as a corporation for what goes on in your supply chain around the world, even if 100% of your products are made overseas and the workers don't get to participate at any level in the profitability of the company, but as long as there are no laws in place in your home country that make you accountable for what happens Mm. in the factories where your products are made, then there's really no persuasive argument for corporations to do the right thing. And we're seeing after 20 years that they're not doing the right Right. thing. They're still not doing the right thing. Until there are actually laws at home here that are obligating the companies to report and be in compliance with the laws of the country either here or where they're doing business, then there's not going to be, I think, a universal solution. And that's why I do believe that getting more public sector involvement and legislation and public procurement requirements for the purchasing of electronics devices is the way to go. Because if these public universities and agencies that are buying in the tens of billions annually electronics equipment are saying, okay, if you're in violation of these laws and regulations, then we're not going to purchase from you. Right. The companies are going to pay attention. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, the sadly money money does I guess in this case really talk. I mean, I would I'd like to think that corporations are well, they are made up of individuals that if you were to corner some of these folks and said, "Would you behave this way outside of the corporation or will you behave this way outside of the corporation?" that they probably wouldn't. But they come under this collective corporate umbrella and things seem to change. What is it about the ethics between 9 to 5 that's different than what I use at home with my family? True, and they can operate anonymously Yes. in terms of public scrutiny. And they're also afraid about losing their job. Right, right. Which is so interesting because one of your characters in the film, who who I believe one of the min, many millions of migrant workers in China, it's just such a such a, a leveling a, a, a human moment where she says, "Listen, I I just want to work. I only want to work." 
and she's coming into the city and just this, her eyes wide open, you know, mystery, wonder, what am I going to, what am I going to see? And, and this is what she ends up facing. Yes, it's not fair. And then that they have to struggle so hard to get their medical costs covered and to get an occupational disease diagnosis, which is the piece of paper that's ultimately so important in order to make the factory right. reliable. You, you need the diagnosis. They lose right. months and sometimes over a year of treatment while they're arguing with the factory about giving them their ID cards and pr- providing the medical, um, the employment documentation in order, sometimes even just the medical reports that might not even have gone to them, but went to the employer. So they're arguing for a year in many cases before they can even begin the necessary chemotherapy that they need to save their lives. Um, you're off to the Melbourne uh, Doc Film Festival in the near future. You were at the Human Rights Watch Film Festival here in Toronto not that long ago. Uh, the website's complicitfilm.org. Uh, can you tell us where we can go and sign this petition? Yes, there's a link on our website, and also you can go on care to care c a r e to the number two dot com forward slash complicit. Heather, thank you for your time today. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's a remarkable film. It's a compelling film. It, it, it everyone every everyone needs to see it, and, and I hope they do. And and I wish you well with it. And and I guess we'll have to stay tuned for for a on demand release or a DVD release as well. Yes, we'll be in touch, and hopefully it'll be sometime later in 2017 or early 2018. Well, thanks thanks for thanks for adding to the uh, really in- incredibly important conversation. Uh, about something that matters uh, a great deal and, and, and speaking truth to power it's, uh, it's encouraging Thank you David deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.